everyone, and welcome to the Rumcast. We are the podcast that talks all things rum-related with the people who love and shape it. I am really excited for the episode we have lined up for you today. We're sort of launching what we hope to be, I guess, will be a new series on the podcast where we can talk specifically about rum from just one single country and sort of put together a guide for those that want to know more. But before we do that, let's make sure to check in with my brother from another mother, uh, the muck to my dunder, you might say, Will oh, Hookinga. Uh, Will, I know you just got back recently from uh, the American Distilling Institute's Rum Summit in New Orleans down there. So I'm really curious to hear about that yeah. and how that went. You're a New Orleans guy when you say the name, huh? I, I guess so. I'm New Orleans. <laughs> yes. Is that I, What do you say? I, I, I say New Orleans. I, yeah, I, don't know, I don't know what the right... Uh, way to say it is but you it's know Orleans. The, yeah that that might be it but yes i did <laughs> i did a presentation at the adi rum summit it was really cool it was just a little one day event hosted at lula restaurant and distillery it's like a restaurant and distillery together down there in new orleans mm-hmm. so I got to share the stage with some great presenters and also something i was really looking forward to was finally visiting uh, a few of the new orleans rum yeah. distilleries that you know i've been able to taste some of their product but had not visited in person so that was really cool i, I visited three places well four including lula but they were kind of opposite spectrum so like really on and then another place called happy raptor that's pretty new and they're very very small distilleries yeah i've heard of them mm-hmm. i also got a chance to go out to porch jam distillery which are, they're the makers of share me rum which i've right. talked about on the podcast as well fresh cane juice rum um they're on the other end they're like basically like i think they're technically maybe considered a craft distillery but they are much bigger production wise um, than the average craft distillery uh, not big in the sense that they have like an elaborate tasting room and like they, they don't do tours and stuff like that like okay. but it's just a big facility with a lot of capacity so like mm-hmm. got to see like opposite ends of the spectrum um, yeah but people making really interesting rum and, and that was super cool so also got to see some more of like the aging stuff that they're doing at porch jam with share me rum so got to try like some aged queen share and stuff that's a little over a year now very very promising stuff down there that i'm excited about and then over at relays on as well it had actually been a few years since i had tried any of their aged rum and so getting to taste it now a, a few years later um they had they had one cask that i i think it was a a used cabernet cask Ooh, cool. um and it was, it was one of the few 53 gallon barrels that they have because they do a lot of aging in smaller barrels mm-hmm. and things like that and mm-hmm. that can go sideways sometimes but they're one of the distilleries that i think actually does that well but anyway so this this cab barrel really interesting and and they also had some some small rye barrels as well i was able to taste but so just you know got to see some positive developments with um with a few distilleries that that i've you know been following for a little while now and and i'm kind of a fan of so that was that was really cool and then the conference itself was really interesting because the audience it wasn't a consumer audience it was the people in attendance there like people who already own distilleries right. or are wanting to Fledgling get into it distillers mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and so it was everyone's presentation except for mine was because <laughs> because i don't have technical expertise uh, but a lot of it was technical focus and really a lot of focus on sugarcane and molasses that was really interesting they, they had one presenter his name's dr kenneth gravois he kind of leads lsu's the lsu ag center's sugar research station mm-hmm. um so he gave this whole presentation of just about like the sugar refining process and like how molasses is produced from that and the different kinds of molasses that come out of it and everything 
And it was it was just when like combining that with um, Roberto Serriès of Don Q and Distilleria Serriès gave a presentation as well, and and went cool. like deep yeah. into their molasses sourcing and stuff. And just as I was there, I was like, this is like the exact kind of information that aspiring uh, rum distillers like need to hear. It, right. it just felt like very valuable information. So mm. really cool and just always good to, you know, get to connect and, and drink some rum. And yeah, it left me, it left me excited about, uh, about the, the burgeoning Louisiana rum community. Yeah. You, well, you've made me jealous on two fronts, which is, you know, <laughs> one is we just don't seem to get some of those New Orleans rums down here in South Florida. I've never yeah, seen any, it, you know, well, I'd love to see more of those and, and try them. Well, I mean, and, and that's, that's kind of the rub with the, the craft distilling thing is, is right. really is on very very small they, they have some distribution in, in some states and things like that but um and then Cherami is just new uh so i think they're about to add a couple of states but yeah i would recommend if, if you're visiting new orleans to to look into those places i mentioned and uh check them out because there's there's some exciting stuff happening down there louisiana has like a regional rum making feel that you don't get as much of a sense of in other parts of the u.s like you kind of have this um starting to become like a critical mass of distilleries mm, down there mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. had the sugar cane down there it's a movement and, yeah. yeah and like uh, all those distilleries that i mentioned porch jam for share rum they're using louisiana cane juice you know really on happy raptor the yeah. other places they're using louisiana molasses and things yeah. like that so you have this kind of natural regional thing happening that's that's pretty cool to see uh, this is the silliest thing ever but it can't be a coincidence that Porch Gem makes Cherami rum, right? Like, what's what's the connection? I Cherami spoken. I don't... Hey, 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 yeah, Pearl Jam. Oh wait, was that Jeremy? Yes, but it sounds like Cherami. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that was a good Eddie Vedder. Yeah, thank you. That was that was my Eddie Vedder uh, imitation. Yes, Porch Jam, Pearl Jam, Porch wow, Jam, Pearl yeah, Jam, Cherami, made the connection Jeremy. at all. Uh, do they um, have another label coming out? And is it like, you know, I don't know. Gosh, now I can't remember any of the other ones. Uh, Yellow and better. <laughs> um, I, I have not made that connection before. Uh, the the Cherami name, actually, it's, it's a common surname in Louisiana, mm. which I did not know. And it's actually the surname of one of their uh, distillers there. Uh, ah. Apparently, it means dear friend is what Cherami means. That makes sense. That, that is a better explanation than mine, even though mine is interesting. <laughs> yes. I yeah. hope to get there soon and, and try it and hear more about it. I, speaking of silly, I have another uh-huh. quick story for you that leads us into our topic today, which I know uh, everybody should be hopefully as excited as we are to talk about yeah. uh, Jamaican rum. But my quick story is this. I happen to be in our, our supermarket store down here, Publix. I think we mentioned this on another one where Publix isn't everywhere, but it's in got, Florida. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. where I am. Yeah. And uh, it's our big supermarket. I think supermarket. it started in Alabama, actually. Oh, did it? Oh, I didn't know that. But so anyways, we're walking through the aisles, which we haven't done in forever, right? Because COVID kind of, you know, right. we were like not shopping on our, <laughs> on our own forever. But we're back to doing that. Walking the aisles and in, in this store in Publix, they have a food aisle that brings things in imported from different countries okay and so it's where actually it's where i get my ting soda from i was just about to ask if yes. this was you about you finding ting or something well like no that. <laughs> I, I i have found ting thankfully it's it's uh down here and i've been able to access that for a while both the pink and the green which is nice I but there was a pink there is and it's pretty good actually right. i like that yeah i even put the the rum in it i still think the the classic is better but uh i, I do like the pink right. anyways long story short 
staring at me on the shelf is this thing that says rum on it because anything that says rum on it is going to catch my attention yeah and it's it says rum cake oh and nice. so you know of course rum cake is a big thing and yeah. you know i'm sure many people here have tried rum cake and it, rum cake can be really good but i've never seen a pre-packaged this one looked exactly like a twinkie <laughs> really I'm, I'm i shit you not That's exactly cool. like a twinkie yeah. but it says rum cake on it and it's from this uh this place i guess it's called buccaneer it's got the jamaican flag on it so okay. i am I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure here and i didn't research it um but maybe it is from imported from jamaica I, i'd have to find out or maybe it's not but anyway so i'm like you know what it was like a dollar i'm gonna buy this thing just to try why it not? Because why not it, it's either gonna be gross and i'll have a laugh or it's gonna be good and that'll be fun anyways I get home and I, I try this, uh, and it says, by the way, on the package, it's made with real rum, and it's like 0.5% alcohol. I see uh, it. So I'm looking it up online right here. Let me tell you, man, I freaking loved this thing. Is it really good? It was really good. It's not a Twinkie in the sense that it doesn't have a cream filling. It's just cake, like a, a, a petit gâteau, if you speak parlez-vous français, like a little small cake. Okay. Um, it's rummy. But not not a lot. Like you, you know, it's there, but it's it's not gonna. You're not getting any real alcohol vibe from this. It's just the rummy flavor. Right. But but man, it's it's really nice. It was okay. really good. So I, I did some research for you. Okay. So this this website it says that it is manufactured by the fastest growing wholesale bakery in Jamaica. Hey, um, which apparently is called Honey Bun. Huh. Well, yeah. there you go. So it's it's it was uh, a an actual direct import from Jamaica. And it, let me tell you, if you happen to see this, and we should like throw a picture of it up, uh, on our show notes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's it's nice. I mean, look, still says like artificial flavoring and stuff on it. So it's 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 a Twinkie-ish product, but better, way better than a Twinkie. I mean, it so, says with world famous Jamaican rum right there on the on the label. It so. was pretty fantastic. I, I really go. enjoyed it. And hey, if you're looking for a little treat. I'm going to uh, look for this in Publix now. I'm going to have should. to take a trip. Yeah, in that food aisle where they, they have the imports, you know, from different places and try to find it. Uh, it was really good. So anyways, I figured that would tee us up for our conversation today uh, about all things uh, Jamaican rum specifically and a guide uh, to that. And Will, yeah. I know you've done a lot with um, putting some stuff together to talk about what makes you know Jamaican rum different or unique in some ways and then the distilleries that do produce rum there on the island so yeah I, I think kind of our our goal with this episode is to give people an overview of just what are the active Jamaican rum distilleries to know yes. you know what kind of makes them different from one another what are the brands associated with the distilleries we're also going to give some picks recommendations talk about some of our favorites I think for each distillery we're going to do like a and a less expensive, you know, yeah. pick that we that we each like, and then mm -hmm. a more expensive, you know, money is no object kind of pick. And we're trying, we're gonna try to keep them accessible. Not gonna try to do some super esoteric, you know, two hundred right. bottle limited release that you can't buy unless you pay a thousand dollars at auction <laughs> or go or to jamaica like and hope to find it sometimes yeah yeah i think before we kind of dive into the distilleries well actually let's let's just start out with like what the distilleries are that we're going to talk about and then sure. we can talk kind of high level about style a little bit but so there are six active rum distilleries in jamaica right now you have worthy park you have hampton you have appleton estate and New Yarmouth Estate, which are both under the J. Ray and Nephew Company, um, mm -hmm. which is then owned by Campari. Campari we'll get into yeah. all that later. Mm -hmm. Then you have National Rums of Jamaica, which within that you have the Clarendon Distillery, you have the Long Pond Distillery, 
and that's it. Oh, I got through six pretty fast. So those yeah. are the, the distilleries that we're, we're going to be discussing. But I think before we dive too deeply into those, just quickly at a high level, what we see as the style of Jamaican rum. And this is actually funny. It's, it's making me think of something I had talked about in my presentation at the ADI conference. Mm-hmm. My presentation was about misconceptions in rum and overcoming sort of the categorical confusion that exists Mm. in the category, especially if you're like a distiller who's new to the category and trying to make sense of it. And one of the things I talked about was what I think is a mistake that I see every now and then from uh, American rum producers. Uh, And that was the audience, by the way, it was um, American producers. So But I was essentially talking about how a lot of times I will see distilleries in the U.S. kind of use other styles to describe the rum they're making. They'll say something like, oh, we make a Jamaican style rum beer. And when someone says something like that, I always like my eyebrows raise a little bit. (laughs) I'm always, you know, the next thing I want to know is like, okay, so what is Jamaican style? Like, what are you doing to this rum to actually make it Jamaican style? Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes you'll get a response like, we use pot stills or something like that. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I mean, pot stills are an element of, some Jamaican rum and, you know, or a traditional element for sure, but... And many the, other places, yeah. The, 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 the analogy that I used in the presentation was, you know, saying that would be sort of like saying that you make a Scotch-style whiskey because you age it in used casks or something like that you know Mm -hmm. like it's it's like this this one thing that's like can be typical of the style but doesn't define the whole thing okay yeah so i i think just from like a high level when you hear jamaican rum what are your expectations what are you thinking about what's whether it's like flavors or or like what 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 does it bring to mind for you yeah so so for me in my experience i'm thinking it's typically got that fruity slash funky kind of vibe. Not all of them do, to your point. But from from when you say Jamaican rum, that's kind of what starts to come up in my mind is whether it's high esters or something else in the process that's made it that fruity, funky type mm-hmm. of thing to varying degrees, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad uh, you led with fruity rather yeah. than funky because I think funky is definitely an element of it. Yeah. But I, I think like even in an Appleton, for example, which yes. to me, I, I don't really describe Appleton as funky, but it's still, it's got that like kind of ripe fruit quality to it, right. you know? Um, and that's something that I think is very expressive and kind of, uh, and really in a lot of ways, kind of like brighter tropical fruits and things like that. Tropical, you know, right. Overripe you know, banana also yeah, is yeah, something yeah. I hear very often. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of the first thing for me. And then, you know, you talked about high ester. I think it's interesting because definitely in the sort of rum dork universe that we're steeped in, like high ester is something that immediately comes to mind, even though like high ester rum is like, a small percentage of, of what's actually made in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. But those are definitely kind of the things that we gravitate toward. And high ester in general, there there are other places that make high ester rum, but Jamaica is kind of the place that put that style on the map right. and really like pioneered a lot of the techniques and things for yes. making high ester rums. Yep. And it's interesting because if, if you listen to our second episode we did with Richard Seal about the Foursquare high ester rum. Uh, you may have seen that they, well, if you listened, you heard that he was very <laughs> uncomfortable with describing it as a high ester rum. Right. Um, and if you keep up with social media, you may have seen that he put up a, a little post on Facebook sort of announcing that they were changing the name and a little bit of an explanation. They ended up changing it from high ester to LFT, which stands for long fermentation type. Mm-hmm. And 
his explanation on Facebook was essentially Jamaica kind of pioneered high ester, like the terminology, they were associated with it and everything. And so he didn't, you know, feel comfortable kind of like co-opting that. Yeah, yeah he, fe- mm-hmm. he felt like kind of, and especially since he is, you know, out there fighting the GI fight and kind of the, the intellectual property fight. Mm-hmm. Um, he felt that was inconsistent. But my, my point in saying is that like high ester is Jamaica rum is like steeped in, in that tradition. And when we say high ester rum, just to touch, like we won't get too deep into the science of it, mm-hmm. but basically like spirits that you consume, you know, whether it's rum or whiskey or whatever, they're going to have esters in them. Um, esters are just compounds that provide flavor. It's, I believe it is when an alcohol and an acid join together they form an ester. It so, sounds like the birds and the bees conversation. <laughs> yeah. When an alcohol and an acid join together, Will. Yeah, and they love each other very <laughs> and much. And they love each other very um, much, yes. But there's all these different alcohols and these uh, different acids. And when they mm. join, you know, different ones form different esters. And different esters give different uh, scents and tastes and things like that. Some right. are going to conjure things like, you know, overripe banana, like mm-hmm. we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Some might give you pineapple. Uh, and things like that. And the interesting thing is that some of these can smell terrible on their own. Like the famous example that, that gets cited the most is like butyric acid. Right. Uh, smells like baby vomit on its own. Mm-hmm. But um, I forget which alcohol it is that it joins with. But when it joins with a particular one, it smells like it's either pineapple or, or banana. So it's something very pleasant, you know. Something nice um, happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. so high ester rums are going to be rums that have a very high level of of esters in them and so when you see one of those like habitation velier labels or something like that that says 555 grams per hectoliter of absolute alcohol that yes that's talking about ester count um interestingly in in jamaica the way they measure the esters they're only talking about ethyl acetate which is like the most common ester but there can be other esters Mm. present in there as well and so jamaica even historically has kind of a scale for uh, measuring esters. You have things that are in the 80 to 150 range are referred to as common clean rums. Then you have plumber rums, which are 150 to 200, wetter burns, which are 200 to 300. And then in the 700 to 1600 range, they historically called that the flavored range. And Interesting. Yeah, part of the reason for that was, I think sometime, I think it was in the early 20th century, if I'm remembering correctly, Germany uh, started charging a lot more taxes for importing rum. And so clever business people somewhere decided, well, what if we could just import less Jamaican rum, but it was flavorful enough, you know, to where Ah, we could sort of... Like concentrated. Exactly, like a rum concentrate. So they could take essentially neutral... I'm saying essentially a lot. I don't know why I keep saying that word. My apologies to everyone listening to this. You could take a neutral spirit and just add a little bit of this, what they called quote-unquote flavored, and it's not flavored with like added flavors or something. They, right. they just described it, these high ester rums as being continental flavored because it was rums for the continent, Europe. Right. And you can add a little bit of those to neutral spirit and get something that tastes like a very flavorful rum, even though you're only putting a little in there. You save a bunch on taxes. Mm-hmm. And that style of rum in Germany is called rum Verschnitt. I think Ian Burrell talked a little bit about rum Verschnitt on the episode he did with us. But mm-hmm. it, it, there's this whole history of high ester rum production. There are mm-hmm. a variety of interesting techniques for producing high ester rum. I think a common misconception that people have is, 
oh, high ester means, you know, they used under. Better. And oh, oh, okay. Oh, what were yeah, you going to say? We, no, we took that two different directions. I agree with you. But I was going to say also, it, in the kind of nerdy circles, yeah. the more esters equals better, better somehow. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And I totally don't think that's the case. I do think it's more, uh, it, it is not more interesting, but interesting in the yes. sense when you see those higher counts to, to maybe taste what that tastes like. But to your point, I was going to say, Will, also that my understanding is that those really higher ester rums aren't something that was really drank on its own yeah until even very recently wasn't available on its own yeah historically we're really designed for blending purposes Um, right right and and it's it's really just been in recent years that you've started to see it's basically almost 100 percent, i would say on the independent bottler side of third parties sourcing a particular high ester mark Um, right that that's another thing that uh, you see at all the Jamaican distilleries is they have what they call mar- and you see this outside of Jamaica as well. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, not not everywhere uses this terminology. They use the terminology terminology marks to describe basically different recipes for different rums, mm-hmm. um, and typically these will have different ester levels as well. So, for example, Hamden's highest ester mark. DOK. Many listeners have probably heard of that and are familiar with it because you have a decent amount of independent bottlers now sort of doing these releases of right. just DOK on its own, which, like you were saying, the reason that was created in the first place was not for people to have on its own. But plenty of, I talk to Rum fans all the time who have it on its own and absolutely yeah. love it. They adore um, it. Yeah. Yeah, we were we were talking on our latest happy hour with um, one of our our patrons who who loves a, a DOK rum and coke, or it mm-hmm. might have been Savannah her actually, um, another very high ester rum. But yeah, anyway, well, yeah. So it's it's kind of been in the modern era that we that people have had more of an opportunity to try these. But right. and I think I I think one of the things I talk about on our myths and misconceptions episode was that like quality of rum is scales linearly with ester count or something like right, that. Like, right, um, right. I, I think there's definitely people out there who really enjoy trying to find the highest ester, funkiest rums possible and, and yeah. try them. And, uh, and I'm on board with the that. outer like, rim. Yeah, right, yeah. It's, it's really yeah. fun and it's really instructive and educational to get to try rums like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of times you find something that is really interesting um, and can be delicious even. But yeah. I, it's, it's not some sort of thing where, you know, the more esters, like the more flavorful, flavorful? Even, yeah. even even describing it that way, I don't think it's always entirely accurate because you can have a lower ester rum that is super, super flavorful. I agree. It might right. not be as intense. Um, right, right. <laughs> like, right. Uh, like when you Bold. taste... Yeah. When you taste DOK, for example, it is intense concentration of very strong flavors. Yes. But yeah, so just a little background on kind of esters and stuff. And like I said, we'll, we'll get a little bit into some of the methods. Uh, but there's, there's many different ways to mm-hmm. create these high ester rums. Some involve things like Dunder, Muck, things like that. Some don't. Um, Worthy Park, for example, has you know, made a point to mention that they do not use things like Dunder and muck in their rum production, and they mm-hmm. are capable of producing some very high ester rums. So we'll get into that a little bit more when we get into these distilleries. But with all that said, should we just start running running down? Maybe take a break and then and then jump into our first distillery? Yeah, why don't we take a quick break and then we'll be back with going through the distilleries and then uh, a couple of our picks at the end of, of what we want to recommend to people.
All right, so we are going to start this with what I think is probably, maybe with one exception, the most sort of universal door into Jamaican rum for yes. rum enthusiasts, which would be J. Ray and Nephew, which within that is both Appleton Estate and New Yarmouth Estate. It, it, New Yarmouth Estate isn't a name that you may have heard before, but that's okay. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. But basically, within J. Ray and Nephew, you have Apple, all the Appleton rums, and then you mm-hmm. also have Ray and Nephew Overproof, which is probably the most iconic Jamaican rum, the, the best-selling rum in Jamaica, mm-hmm. and just that style of, you know, unaged overproof rum that I think is strongly associated with Jamaican rum. Yeah, I think I agree. Anybody who thinks Jamaican rum, it's going to be hard to think about it too long before you come to these two brands, right? Yes, No matter where you are kind of in the world, even, uh, it seems like these are just very high profile, well-known, and for good reason, right? Because as you mentioned, J. Ray and Nephew, uh, the overproof is the best-selling brand in Jamaica. And then Appleton's, uh, you know, one of, for sure, the best-selling Jamaican rums outside of Jamaica. And uh, you see it everywhere in cocktails and drinks and, you know, other rums that uh, you can absolutely sip neat as well. So they've got a, a pretty large cast of, of different offerings. Yeah, I, large cast is a good way to put it because I think, and we'll kind of break these distilleries down a little bit. Um, obviously, the Appleton products, you know, Appleton mm-hmm. branded stuff comes from Appleton Estate. Right. And I think one of the reasons Appleton rums are such kind of like a, a gateway into Jamaican rum, like a obviously is accessibility, you know, wide distribution and things like that. But it's also the range, like you said, a large cast. I I don't really think any of the other distilleries have a branded range of rums as all encompassing as Appleton, you know, Appleton, you have sort of the entry level signature, you have the eight year, you have the 12 year, now you have the 15, 15 you have the 21, 21 mm-hmm. and then, you know, also kind of more special limited release stuff like the Joy bottlings over the year. You have the Hearts collection that was the just 30 done. year. In, in, yeah, the 30 year. Yep. And so you have like all these little entry points, both in terms of age and in terms of price and things like that. So that's kind of, I think, what makes Appleton a real gateway, not just for like trying Jamaican rum for the first time, but getting more into rum, you know, because you can yeah. do it in an affordable way and and sort of see the differences in various ages and things like that. And then, you know, Ray and Nephew Overproof, it's, it's sort of... Uh, it's it's hard to get information about New Yarmouth Estate, but yeah. it's generally thought that that is the distillery where Ray and Nephew Overproof is made. But um, yeah, and I think Ray and Nephew Overproof, people have heard me talk about it on this podcast before, but it's one of those rums that you just can't skip um, as, as you're getting into rum. Right. Uh, you know, if you haven't had it, you should definitely have a bottle. And it's it's just... It's it's an iconic rum. I think it's important also uh, to mention that they're owned by a, a, a larger corporation, Campari. Right. Right. So that yep. they're they're uh, that's probably one of the reasons why we have this wide range of availability and distribution. Yeah. Is because of that that's benefiting them getting ev- everywhere uh, and out there and all the places you can find them. I, I think what's also that comes along with that is is important to note that there's both pot and column still here right. with with these products. So you you have depending on which of the the, the brands uh, that you get. They'll have uh, some blends there. And, you know, they're just, they're a well-known Jamaican rum that goes well with a lot of different styles of things that you want to do in terms of cocktail making. And I defer, of course, to Will and many others in terms of cocktail making. Since oh, please don't. It, defer. You're in trouble if you defer to me on making cocktails. <laughs> well, you're the better of the two of us, let me tell you. But I'm working on it. I just know that Appleton seems 
to play nice in a lot of things, at least in my limited, limited experience, and, and that their range does well. Partly, I think, Will, because my experience with the Appleton uh, line, like the 8, the 12, and even the 21, is there's a little bit of that funk, what they call that hago in there. A kiss. But it's not... Yeah, a kiss of it, right? Exactly. But it's not going to knock you over. Yeah. Um, but even people who are new to Jamaican rum will pick up on that. Right, yeah. Most that, of the time. It, yeah. yeah, that's something I, I have to remind myself sometimes is when, when I taste those rums, I, I, I said this earlier, but to me, I wouldn't describe any of their rums as funky, but mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like spicy food. I have some people in my family, oh, that's a good I, I really yeah. like spicy food. There's some people in my family who absolutely cannot tolerate spicy food and mm-hmm. like, you know, I'll have something that I think is completely mild and they'll be like, oh my God, this is so spicy. So it, it's kind of that effect a little. When you're newer to rum, you might be like, oh yeah, I, I, I I get funk a little bit, but yeah, yeah. So it's it's more of a uh, maybe a, like a little radio friendlier in some respects. But mm. I mean, I'll, I'll like I recommend Appleton all the time. So they have great products, and yeah, it's just a, a it's really, hard to go wrong with them, right? The the, yeah. the legacy is there. Uh, Joy Spence, uh, their yep. master blender, is an institution yeah. in rum, mm-hmm. and with her backing it, and with you knowing that you know they don't. They don't add additives to this. By the way, Jamaican rum really doesn't allow for for additives yeah. in you know other, in their than, processes. Yeah, other than color correction, caramel, right. things like that. Yeah, if if you have a Jamaican rum, it's it's not going to have sugar in it unless you know it was Jamaican rum sourced through a third party and then you know bought like bottled somewhere else. Right, and, you right. Know, it can that, get confusing, that, sticky, right? But yeah. if it comes from a distillery in Jamaica and it's bottled by that distillery, right, we can say definitively that that that's not going to have sugar added. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 safe most of the time if you see mm-hmm. a Jamaican rum to assume that it is not going to have additives again yeah. unless it's from a third party brand then that can happen. But that's, yeah, that's another one of the nice things about Jamaican rum is you have mm-hmm. a little bit more kind of assurance of what you're getting in the bottle. Um, right. Uh, real quick, before we dive into sort of our recommendations for J. Ray and Nephew, one thing I wanted to also mention is just kind of a category for each of these, like where else might you have seen their rum before? Because a lot of these uh, distilleries, you know, they have other brands and things like that, or there are people who source their rum and have developed, you know, popular brands around that. So one brand like that is, uh, well, it's, it's not owned by a third party, but um, Karuba rum is Mm -hmm. rum from J Ray and nephew. So not everyone knows that, but Mm -hmm. kind of good to know. Karuba, by the way, kind of, there there was actually a, a pretty, cool article that I think was on Vine Pair recently, just kind of like an ode to Karuba rum and like the spot it has behind the bar. It's kind of this beloved ingredient by a lot of bartenders. And like, it's not the kind of rum you would buy to drink neat necessarily, but it's a really fun rum to have. Um, I'll link to that that article in the show notes uh, so people can check that out. But yeah, if you've seen Karuba, that has rum from J. Ray Nephew as well. But John, let's, let's talk about our picks. So if you were recommending a cheaper, less expensive rum from the J. Ray and Nephew family, mm-hmm. what would it be? And if you were recommending one where price is less of an object, what would it be? Well, so I thought about this a little bit as I was putting this together because we, we've we recommended... I'm glad you thought about it a little bit. <laughs> what I mean by that is <laughs> I went back through what we've recommended before. Uh-huh. And I know there are certain bottles in this uh, from this distillery that we've recommended many times. Yeah. To your point, I think you said earlier. I want to recommend one that I don't think this is a beginner rum okay. um, in a way, but I think it can be. 
Okay. And if you do it right. So what I'm going to recommend here is is no surprise to anybody talking about this. Ray and Nephew Overproof is that's fantastic. Well. <laughs> that's that's my yeah. For the price will, uh, you know, I see this commonly for like a 17 to 25 dollar range here. Mm. Um, and I mean, you're just you're getting so much flavor out of this. Yeah. And Yes, you're not going to want to sip this neat, especially if you're you're new into Jamaican rum or even kind of just feeling your way out into rum in general. But if you put this with Ting, which we mentioned in the intro, which is a grapefruit soda made in Jamaica, it makes the classic Ray and Ting. Yeah. And if you do that, just to you know, find any recipe uh, that there's the standard mix for that. It doesn't get much better than that, Will. Yeah. Uh, and I don't had it don't under, don't undersell the uh, the Ray and Nephew neat pour. Always always a good good exercise especially if you're sure. a rum enthusiast. Right, right. So, I mean, it's just hard to go wrong with that bottle. And you mentioned, Will, that it's the, the best seller in Jamaica. So if you're looking for the cultural side of the experience of this, yeah. I really think you get it with that bottle and a, at a, an inexpensive entry price. Yep. So don't miss that one. So, Will, do you? Uh, is, that was your same pick that, that, for, yeah, that was for mine your too. inexpensive? I, again, okay. you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to try to overcomplicate this or get too cute with some of these picks. Right. If you're right. getting into Jamaican rum and I mean, you just you, you have to have that bottle. It's part of the 101 syllabus. I agree with you. Now, All on right. the, the more expensive side, I, I can give my recommendation here. The nice thing about Appleton, like I said, is that they have a wide range of different price points. Mm -hmm. And so depending on, you know, what is expensive to you, how much you're willing to buy, there's there's always going to be something good. And I think you get into kind of like by the time you get to Appleton eight, for me personally, I'm already at a rum that I think is really good on its own. Mm -hmm. uh, and Appleton eight is, you know, between I think it's like a little over thirty dollars. So it's it's not even really you know, it's still very affordable. Mm -hmm. um, so what I want to do is kind of give my personal guide to the Appleton range, because that's where I think your second buy should come after you get sure. the Ray and Nephew Overproof. Yeah. So here are my kind of recommendations. If you're looking at the older end of things, so, and, and like the most common older rums from Appleton right now, I would say, are going to be the 15 and the 21. Yep. Um, those aren't as easy to find as the 12 and the 8, for example, but on the upper end of things. And if you're trying to decide between those, I would recommend going with Appleton 15 over 21. Mm -hmm. It's about half the cost. I think it's generally around 60 bucks. Appleton 21 is generally uh, well over 100 and I honestly, I just personally enjoy 15 more. Uh, 21 is is really good. It's a good product. Um, for me, it's just, particularly if, if you're like an oak-averse person, I would say stay away from 21. It's a very oaky rum to me. Mm -hmm. 15, I think, is more in the sweet spot. And uh, so point number one of Will's Guide to Appleton, I would <laughs> recommend Appleton 15 over 21. If you're deciding between the 8 and the 12, I know... 80% of people are going to tell you to go with the 12. I'm part of the 20% that's going to tell you to try Appleton 8. Ooh, I think I, I've, I've said this on the podcast before. So, you know, if you've heard this, I'm sorry. But <laughs> I, to me, Appleton 8 has a little bit more of the the fruity character that I think is is really nice about Jamaican rum. 12 uh, is, is kind of more into the barrel notes and stuff like that. And again, they're both fantastic. So yeah. um, I'm just saying my personal preference, I would go 8 over 12. 
And then if you're someone who like you've got a few hundred bucks to spend and you want to do some hunting, then I would say definitely go hunting for the Hearts Collection, which we mentioned earlier, which is a collaboration between Appleton and Velier. 100% pot still rum. I think it's mm-hmm. the only 100% pot still Appleton you're going to find out there right now. Yeah. And uh, there have been several different vintages released uh, as, as part of that collection so far. I tried all of the initial three that were released. I have not tried the subsequent ones. But um, of those initial three, the 94 and the 95 were just incredibly good. So if you you know want to spend two, three hundred bucks on a bottle of rum, I would say go go searching for those. But again, those are hard to find. The other ones you're going to be able to find almost anywhere. So, yeah, that's me. What about you? So, first of all, I think that was really comprehensive, and I, I kind of agree with everything you said. I, I don't really have any kind of difference there. I, I think you're you're spot on with the 15 versus the 21. I fully agree there. Salute. I think you're spot on with the 8 and the 12. Really? Are you uh, on my side there? I am on your side. I, wow. I've come around to your side since you first right. recommended it and, and did that. And uh, part Getting of the reason is... Yeah. Well, I think what it is, is, you know, we're just so tied to numbers of aging years yeah. being better. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot to kind of shrug that off. It really but does. When you, if you do a blind taste test with those, I just find there is a little bit more character to play around with and, and enjoy in the eight, especially if you're going to have the 15 next to it already. You don't yeah. need the 12, you know? Yeah. So that, that works really well. The only thing I'm going to disagree just slightly, it's really not disagreeing with you because mm-hmm. I, I, I do agree that the hearts collection is just fantastic i just i'm finding it hard to want to spend three or four hundred dollars on a bottle oh yeah i mean that's um, totally defensible i mean i i for me like my ceiling on what i personally mm-hmm. will buy for a bottle of anything yeah is gonna be right around three hundred dollars and if i buy a three hundred dollar bottle of something it's probably gonna be like the only one i buy that yeah calendar year right um just because like for me, there's diminishing returns, and right. I don't have as much of the collector mindset. Right. Um, if you have that collector mindset and you enjoy having something rare, like you get a lot of satisfaction out of that, then you know that's gonna yeah. You're then gonna that, that's really gonna satisfy that because right, it, it right. is rare. It's a hundred percent pot still Appleton rum, um, and it's really good. So it is really great. I don't think yeah. you're gonna be disappointed in it, but I totally right. get that philosophy. I think I think you can go your whole life never paying over a hundred bucks for a bottle of rum and still have an amazing experience. And, and I hope it always stays that way. So part of this is kind of my silent protest in a way of saying like, I just really don't want what happened with bourbon to happen with rum mm-hmm. where everything becomes three to $500 and plus for anything good. But that said, I fully agree with you. I have joy, by the way, the, the bottle joy, which is, um, I, I didn't pull it out for this to be honest, but I know mm-hmm. it's more than 21 years age. I think it's roughly 25 or a blend thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, I, what I will say is I really enjoy that one as well. Uh, enjoy no pun, it. Enjoy no pun it. intended. Uh, <laughs> but if I had to go do it over again, would I spend the $150, $180 I spent on it? I don't know that I would, although it is the best looking bottle in my collection. I just nice love bottle. that bottle. It is beautiful. Um, so that's a statement piece. If you're looking for a statement piece, that Joy bottle, which I don't think you can really find anymore, unfortunately. Uh, and if you do, it's probably going to be twice the price it was when yeah. it was first out. Um, but just to mention that it is a thing and it is out there. So And that what you were saying about buying it once and not buying it again, like that's basically how I feel about the 21, for example. Right. Whereas right. I would buy another bottle of the 15. So mm-hmm. there you have it. Should we uh, move on to the next distillery here? Yeah, let's move on. What do we have next? All right. So I think our next one's going to be Worthy Park Estate. I'm I'm just going to shout from the rooftops here. I think this is my favorite 
I know, yeah, yeah. You've been you've been you've been vocal about that, and rightfully so. Yeah, uh, it's also interesting because uh, we go from you know what's kind of been an institution of Jamaican rum to this is the newest of all the distilleries we've talked about, and the oldest. <laughs> hey, and the old, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, so the, the Worthy Park Estate goes all the way back to the 17th century. There are records indicating that distillation began there in the 18th century, mm-hmm. but rum production stopped in 1960 and it didn't begin again until Thanks, boomers yeah <laughs> wait that's not the boomers <laughs> yeah that's 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 pre-boomers they would okay been... thanks pre-boomers so yeah. go, sorry go ahead yeah um greatest generation i, I don't know <laughs> I, I the the generation names get fuzzy to me after that but so modern production like kind of the current era of worthy park that began in 2005 it's owned by the clark family they go back four generations but they you know basically were kind of decided in 2005 to bring back rum production and so mm-hmm. you know all the 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 pot stills that are there and everything and it's all all pot still by the way at worthy park um those like those are new stills they you know they're not yeah. using stuff from you know mm-hmm. pre-1960 and mm-hmm. stuff like that like they built a new distillery basically and also they grow sugar cane still at worthy park and they have a mill for processing the sugar they sell their own you know brand of sugar as well um, and so they have that, you know, molasses that they can get. Yeah. It's all part of the estate. That's the magic to me, Will, is that there's that single estate value mm. that there's just, there's something there that I just really appeals to me that they, they have all of that on site and, and that they're doing all that in-house, I guess you would say. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's always kind of a cool bonus. I think mm-hmm. Worthy Park, they make a range of rums there. We won't, we're not going to do like a mark by mark breakdown of yeah. all of all of these distilleries. We will, I will say we'll link to a bunch of articles. Um, Matt Petrick has done yeah. some wonderful, wonderful work on don't getting, reinvent like, the wheel, getting yeah. all the details <laughs> and stuff in one place place so like if you want to do the the deep dive into all the rum marks and stuff we're going to link to a bunch of uh matt's articles that that break that down and made all that information very accessible but yeah i think one one note with them is you know we've we've talked to zan kong before and he's said many times they do not use dunder and muck uh at worthy park to achieve Mm -hmm. their highest rums and things like that they do have some very very long fermentation times for their high ester mark i believe go up to like three months and things like that um so you can definitely experience some of like the upper ends of of funkiness with worthy park rums if if you get some of the the high ester marks and things like that brands associated with worthy park you have the rum bar brand if you've ever seen that before that is worthy park one of worthy park's brand Mm -hmm. and then you also have kind of like the Worthy Park estate brand. So I would say the Worthy Park brand is more higher priced stuff, whereas Rum Bar is more entry level rums. Or bar. Yeah. A bar yeah, rum. Yeah. Big, mm. big, well, but yeah, bars. Oh, big and bar. bars. It's yeah. Rum Bar. It's Rum yeah. Bar Rum. There you go. Rum hyphen that. bar. That's right. Um, but yeah, Worthy Park, I think, I think what they've managed to do you know, having only been around since 2005 is, is, is pretty remarkable in like the quality yeah. that they're like, I, I don't want anyone to hear like, Oh, they basically started all this new, like they're, they're way behind in terms of quality and stuff. Cause I don't really think that's the case. Um, Definitely their rums are yeah. amazing. They have their own branded products. They also sell a good amount of rum in bulk as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, where else have you seen this category? A few brands that do a lot of worthy park rum, uh, Hamilton, rums here in the mm-hmm. u.s uh if you've ever had 
Hamilton, Jamaica pot still rums. Those are sourced from Worthy Park. The Funk is another one that you reminded me of. Not not as ubiquitous as no. Hamilton, I would say, but another one that is Worthy Park rum. And I mean, you, you'll find Worthy Park rum in, in lots of stuff. And you won't see it being labeled Worthy Park anymore because they're protective of that brand name. But you can encounter it in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. They also, I think, have a, a growing range of products that makes it accessible to experience it at different levels. But um, you you open this with talking about this as being your yeah. favorite Jamaican distillery. What are what are the hallmarks? What are what are your recommendations here? Well, so see, here's what I find with Worthy Park, uh, as opposed to some of the other distilleries that we already talked about or are going to talk about, mm-hmm. is uh, I feel like there's some sort of sense of a refinement to this rum hmm. within its category. That uh, I'll, I'll give you an analog, which is. When we went to Europe recently, what we noticed in a lot of the uh, food dishes that we ate in Europe versus here in America... The food dishes? The, the Sorry, the, the <laughs> plates, I don't know, the, the uh, restaurants, you know, what uh-huh. we ate over there, that the flavors were combined in such a way that they felt uh, more in harmony, and mm. it was not bold. When I think American cuisine a lot of Mm. times i think of like bold in your face we're gonna give you flavor and over there in europe what we experienced in italy and in paris uh in france was the 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 cuisines feel more refined and and rounded in a way that complements things when you say refined do you mean like subtle yes that's what i mean right so so things are not slapping you over the head with this outrageous flavor even the gelato in italy uh the the combinations that they're doing they 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 have this sort of kind of structure of harmony to them mm-hmm. that things just feel like they work well together you can pick out things but nothing is really slapping you over it's the not face like with chocolate chip cookie dough uh oreo overload blast right. gelato flavor <laughs> yeah and, and i mentioned that because i think for me they they the worthy park estate rums especially their their single estate reserve but even the the rum bar products and and others the hamiltons um they have this kind of just nice balance that they achieve Mm. and so uh yes you you can get some of the the funk there uh yes you get some estuary you know overripe banana or banana notes i I really actually feel like the banana is very present for worthy park yeah especially in the nose i Um, I think i think richard seal once said that nobody does banana better than worthy park so he's right uh once again yes and uh there's for me not a better jamaican rum for my personal palate than than worthy park so what are you reaching for then if if someone's coming up to you and saying john i want to get into worthy park hit like what's what's my gateway what's like the cheap what's what's the less expensive way to get into worthy park and then here's here's kind of where i'm going to go i have kind of three levels with this one i'm gonna cheat a little bit but i'll I'll, I'll be quick um the first one is the rumbar overproof is pretty fantastic Mm -hmm. i tried it right against the ray and nephew which would be a a similar type of rum in that high ester unaged or should i say just uh really funky unaged yeah like rumbar overproof is basically their competitor for ray and nephew overproof yeah yes and i i will say that they are different Mm-hmm, um, for sure yeah there's a big difference they're, they're different but they're uh, i thought rumbar overproof is no less enjoyable uh and yes it's different but man i really still enjoy it so again if you're looking for a rum that is going to get you a lot of bang for your buck um and you can experience worthy park unaged 
that's really great. Again, not not something necessarily that you're going to come out of the gate and sip with, although people do 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 it. I've seen people who do it. Uh, uh, for and, sure. And, and yeah. And if if you t- take our other recommendation and get the Rand Nephew overproof, start building yourself a little overproof lineup to, exactly. to compare. It's, it's yeah. super fun. Uh, and then the next one is kind of the next step up for me is the Worthy Park Single Estate. Okay. Um, so that one's going to be a little bit more expensive on the, you know, I've seen it for roughly 50, 65 60, to, yeah. Uh, yeah, in that range somewhere. Um, but uh, absolutely a great bottle to have uh, worth it. It's it's a 45% ABV, so it's a little step up from the 40, mm-hmm. um, which I think is the right way to come into an aged Jamaican rum, um, where you're, you're, you're not up in the high ABV for an aged rum, and you can experience these flavors at a moderate level, but still giving you enough of what you're looking for to, to experience what that is. This Worthy Park Single Estate, is it's a blend of rums uh, that's aged uh, somewhere in between 6 and 10 years as a blend and it, it it really just kind of shows the attention and care they make with this as a a kind of a standout product for me that you can't really do much better in that price range tastes like banana bread to me yeah i, I, mean, I totally agree <laughs> I, no I, I i definitely agree that there's a banana bread type of thing you get uh-huh. not overwhelmingly to to the point where it's like oh wow you know i can't distinguish yeah this it's not like oh my god bananas but it's just and that nothing kind else of, right yeah it, it's that combination of of kind of that overripe Yeasty. banana but yeah. but in in that kind of like sweet baked good mm, sense as well go. that you get from yeah. the aging and stuff that's so that's yeah. why i think what it, it makes me think of banana bread as opposed to super bright tropical banana it's more yeah. like that kind of soft that soft like baked banana yes with like you know some nice sweet spices and things like mm-hmm. that going on maybe so. even baking chocolate type of thing yeah, yeah. yes i think exactly. it, it like that rum to me kind of is emblematic of how you described worthy park in the in the first place like it's it's got that sort of i i don't even know it like that rum if, if you're new to jamaican rum might feel a little funky but to me it's it's um I don't know. It's, it's very buttoned up kind of. Yeah. But again, that's why I would say it's kind of that giving that subtle hints mm-hmm. of things, but not knocking you over. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is why I think it's kind of the, to me, for, for an aged Jamaican rum that is a high quality Jamaican rum, you, you, this is a great bottle to have. Yeah. Uh, and I would absolutely recommend it. I'm going to stop there and see what you recommended, uh, Will, and we'll see if we come back around to the, the third one I thought of. Yeah, so my inexpensive recommendation, uh, again, we're on the same wavelength. It's Rum Bar Overproof. Um, mm-hmm. You'll notice this as a trend continuing with the next distillery <laughs> we talk about as well to complete the the trinity of unaged mm-hmm. Jamaican overproofs. But yeah, I would go with that. I think if you go to a bar that has Rum Bar Overproof, uh, and you'll you'll see more and more now uh, places carrying it, especially if you go to like a cool bar, you know, like like a, a, a like a cool rum bar where like the bartenders are into rum and stuff. Yeah, um, you'll like you'll definitely find Ray and Nephew in places like that. But more and more, you, I'm starting to see rum bar overproof. And if you can get like a skilled bartender to make you like a rum bar daiquiri or something like that, it's so so good. Um, yeah, when when is. I was in Charleston doing the. ACSA tasting, which Zan was a judge on as well. We hit up some bars and uh, somewhere they made us like a banana daiquiri with with rum bar overproof, and it was just fantastic. So, yeah, mm. rum bar overproof. Do a blind lineup with uh, the other overproofs and and see what you like the best. But I, I really do love how between rum bar overproof Ray and nephew and the other one we're going to talk about next, like they really do each bring something totally unique yeah. to the table while also yeah. like fitting sort of the same thing in the category yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's so yeah. cool um yeah. on the more expensive side 
I'm, I'm going to depart from your recommendation. And normally, I always recommend people start with the distillery branded bottles and things like right. that. Right. Um, and, and in some respect, my recommendation includes this. But I have found the the more expensive worthy parks that I enjoy the most have either been like the single barrels, kind of like the the FRS pick, the Gemini barrel, which we've talked a lot about on the podcast from Worthy mm-hmm. Park is fantastic. Obviously that, you know, was a barrel pick. So there's not a lot of that in terms of availability. Uh, but then even like some of the independent bottler releases, like the Habitation of Velier stuff, the Worthy Park things that they've done over the years yep. have been phenomenal. And I've tended to enjoy those a little bit more than things like the Estate Reserve, for example. I would kind of rather pay like a little bit more, you know, like 70, 80, 90, then, mm-hmm. you know, pay 60, 70 for that. So, but that's just my personal taste. I find in a lot of those releases, you get a little bit more of the in your faceness, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a little bit more funkiness, a little more, bit more like bright fruits and stuff like that, as opposed to kind of like the sort of roasty baking shop, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, like aged, you know, barrel characteristics, that sort of thing. So that's yeah. kind of where my my mind gravitates with 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 higher priced worthy park stuff. I, I don't disagree with you on any particular aspect there. I, I get where you're going. Where my yeah, mind was kind of going, it's, it's all preferences, really. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, what I meant to kind of give here is I, my my conception of this episode is hopefully we'll have a few people who are listening who maybe are just getting into the category a little mm-hmm. bit more than than our usual audiences. Our usual audience is going to know all these things that we're talking about and and definitely would agree with. Uh, uh, many of those independent bottler releases being fantastic. In fact, I would say one of the, one of the top five rums I've ever had was that Worthy Park. I think it was the 2007 Habitation Velier. The WPM. Was just, oh my goodness, yeah. it was just so good. And you know, we had the like you mentioned, the Florida Rum Society Gemini Barrel Pick was the WPM after that that I just mm-hmm. find fantastic. But I just don't want to. Uh, be the, those people who who are just getting into it and can't find any of those. For sure, for sure. Um, so I, I, there is nothing wrong with I think starting with the single estate reserve bottle, which is a little more widely available. So that that's where I agree with you. That's going to lead you down that rabbit hole to those other releases. And when you find them, pick them up because you'll be uh, really really happy with those as well. Yeah, um, I would even say like some of the like one more widely available one, especially here in the U.S., like the TCRL, some of the Worthy Park stuff that they've done, oh, yeah. Yeah. really super solid. Um, yes, yes. And and that's Transcontinental Rum Line, by the way. And how you'll know it's Worthy Park is I can't remember if they're going to keep doing this or not. I know in the past they were putting WP on the label. Yeah, um, you know, like WP Jamaica or something yeah. like that. So yeah. it's like, um, wink, wink. Yeah, and yep. and they've done Hamden ones as well that say HD on them. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you can find some great ones there as well. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to the next distillery. Will I'm going to let you uh, start with this one because uh, I think you have an affinity for this. Yeah. So next we have Hampton Estate. So uh, John and I have talked about on the podcast before how he's kind of a worthy park man. I'm kind of a, a Hampton man in the sense of you know those being our respective favorite Jamaican distilleries. Yeah. Uh, Hampton is another one of the distilleries here that has a history that goes way back. Um, I think the the difference between it and Worthy Park would be, I don't believe there was an extensive period of time where Hampton stopped producing rum. So they Mm -hmm. started distilling in the 18th century as well. Hampton has been owned by the Hussey family since Mm -hmm. 2009. Uh, So they've gone through some ownership changes over the year, but kind of like the 
the modern era of Hampton. Uh, actually, I think we named our episode where we interviewed Christelle Harris. Uh, I think we titled it The Modern Era of Hampton Estate. Yeah. Because uh, her family coming in, in in 2009. Prior to that, Hampton never had its own, you know, distillery branded products. Like all of their rum basically was sold in bulk, a lot of it overseas and stuff like that. And then, you know, other people would, would buy it and kind of create their own brands around it. You couldn't go and buy like a rum that, was like Hampton Estate on the label mm-hmm. before this sort of new wave uh, of ownership. So Hampton, like Worthy Park, is all pot still. Um, another thing that's particular to Hampton, which I think is super cool, it's all natural fermentation. So they don't add yeast uh, of their own. Right. It's just like Wild. what's in yeah. the air of the distillery is is you know what uh what starts the fermentation up. In terms of distillery brands, uh, Rumfire is their uh, Jamaican overproof brand. So if you've seen it before, you will never forget the label. <laughs> it's the one with the orange and blue flames uh, that says Rumfire in really big letters on it. Yep, yep. Um, and then uh, like, like Worthy Park, they have the Hampton Estate brand as well. Which, uh, if if you look at the bottles and kind of squint at them and say, "Hey, these look familiar," it's because they look like uh, Velier bottles. Uh, they have a distribution partnership with Velier, and I think Velier has kind of been instrumental in a lot of ways in like kind of guiding Bringing, their yeah. their rollout and you know providing some mm-hmm. guidance and things like mm-hmm. that and in uh, putting those rums together. So this is. Um, just a super cool distillery. It's it's on my bucket list of, of places to visit before I die. Um, and I think this is also a good time to talk a little bit about what we mean when we talk about dunder and muck, mm-hmm. um, because those are sort of two Jamaican rum vocabulary words that uh, get brought up a lot and are uh, a big part of understanding kind of the, the high ester rum production process. Uh, again, you don't have to use dunder and muck to make high ester rum. Uh, but it is one way to do it, and Hampton does use it. So you'll hear people talk about Dunder a lot. Uh, all Dunder is is there's there's a lot of words for it. Um, it's it's used in lots of different cultures. People just don't call it Dunder in other places. Right, uh, right. It's stillage, uh, vinasse. Uh, it's what's left over after you run the still, basically. So that's that's all Dunder is. You can take it out. You can add it to fermentations and things like that. And a lot of times you hear people talk about dunder pits, which is kind of a misconception. Like dunder that is used in rum doesn't always come from a pit. When we get into things like pits, what we're actually talking about is something called muck, which includes dunder. And I think is kind of where the confusion comes from. But muck is basically like, I'll actually, I'll I'll use a definition. This is how National Rums of Jamaica defines it, which um, we'll we'll talk about them a little bit later. But they defined it as a semi-solid mass comprising fermenter bottoms, organic material such as various fruit, and uh, spent wash, which is dunder, essentially. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you can keep it in a pit or a tank or something like that. And it allows uh, bacteria to form and to create more acids. And remember, we were talking about how esters are made. You need acids. So you basically get this like soupy sludge type stuff that uh, can supercharge ester creation in your fermentations. So that's what muck is. Uh, Again, it's not used in like every rum made at Hampton, but uh, for some of those high ester marks that they do, um, they will use that to 
kind of supercharged that ester creation that's in there. So again, it's not just under, it can be stuff left over from fermenters. Um, fruit has a way of finding its way in there. I think sometimes, you know, distilleries, you know, they have their, their different methods and stuff. I've heard stories about people seeing jackfruit in, uh, mm -hmm. at Hampton before. And a lot of like these, these muck pits can be left a long time, like years at a time before they kind of like, you know, start over with them or, or things like that. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting. And I think a lot of times when people hear about it, they're like, is this like safe, you know, <laughs> because you've got, <laughs> you know, bacteria and, and all kinds right. of like strange stuff happening in here. But um, all of that, you know, no, nothing distillation kind of like takes that stuff out of right. it, essentially. Right. So there's not going to be bacteria in the rum or anything like that, you know, as long as proper safety measures uh, are taken. Yeah, it's kind of like a living organism in the same way as sometimes people cultivate yeast, you know, yeah. for for a long period of time. I think there's a kind of an analog there that it, there's this kind of living element to it that that helps, as you said, I, I think supercharge is the right way to put it, uh, what you're going to then be able to do with it so it is uh, i i will say hamden of, of all the rums that i've had from jamaica definitely has the most of that funkiness to it or uh it, it's even hard to define because again from distillery to distillery it doesn't give you the exact same right. flavor profile but their their funk hamden is heavy uh in in the, the rums that are those those products that have yeah that. i would yeah. say a lot of hampton rums for me have like um like a brash quality to them mm. a mm -hmm. little bit mm -hmm. um a little punchy that kind of thing and that's not to yeah. say that like they can't be, you know, refined and things like that. Like they, sure. like they have some really elegant rums, uh, but there is this sort of like edge, I would say a lot of them have. And there's definitely ones out there, like there are softer ones out there, there are harsher yeah. ones out there, but yeah. it's it, Hampton's got just kind of like an attitude to its rums <laughs> that, that I really enjoy. And, you know, you brought up Banana with Worthy Park. Banana is kind of like president, uh, not president, uh, present in a lot of Jamaican rums, but uh, one just flavor note that sticks out to me in a lot of Hampton rums is pineapple, yes. um, which yes. I like, that's what comes to mind a lot when I think about Hampton rums and pineapple it, to me is like the goat fruit. Uh, I absolutely love <laughs> pineapple. And so that might be where my affinity for Hampton comes in, but gotcha. Yeah. So to, uh, I, to I, distinguish I, in very broad terms, um, that is, <laughs> you know? yeah, we're, we're, we're painting with broad brushes. Exactly. Here, yes. Exactly. Um, but uh, interestingly, with I agree that there is that pineapple kind of note uh, that you get in Hampton. And just to kind of make it clear, at least for what I get on my palate, it's not necessarily always like the sweet flesh of the fruit pineapple. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. also like a little bit more of the the, the, the rind and, and the core almost of mm. like, there's that pineapple-y thing, but it's not overpoweringly sweet at all. Yeah. So sometimes we confuse pineapple with you know, a, a sickly sweet type of flavor yeah. uh, or just very sweet, I should say. But that's not what I'm getting most of the time. I get definite pineapple notes, but I get uh, some of the pineapple without all of that sweetness behind it. Yeah. And, and kind of like a sharpness to it sometimes yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, Hampton, I would say it's got to be in your lineup of Jamaican rums. And it's, it's great that I think since the distillery started having its own brands, um, you can sort of experience Hampton rum that's aged mm -hmm. entirely in Jamaica and things like that. So um, you're able to experience it in a way now that you really couldn't, you know, yeah. a decade ago, for example. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. in terms of recommendations here, I, again, already hinted at this for my 
inexpensive recommendation. I'm saying go with Rumfire. It is their unaged overproof rum. Line it up next to Ray and Nephew overproof and Rum Bar overproof and mm-hmm. have a little taste test. To me, Rumfire is what I would personally describe as the funkiest of all of them. Yes. Um, I to me, like Rumfire and Rum Bar overproof are the funkiest, but they're funky in different ways. I agree. Um, which mm-hmm. we've talked about, sort of like the limits of the word funky and being able to mm-hmm. like <laughs> convey yeah. nuance and stuff in the past. But Rumfire to me, it has this kind of like sweetness to the funkiness of it, whereas Rumbar Overproof to me has more of like a savory, al- almost like in the direction of agricole to an extent. It's it's like mm. I get kind of like those like olive savory notes more with Rumbar Overproof, whereas hmm. Rumfire I get a, like a little bit more of like that that like sweet pineapple kind of uh, funkiness as well. But yeah, it's it's I would say it's the one where like if you make three cocktails in equal proportions, like to me the Rumfire cocktail will like Rumfire, like the spirit will be the most obvious in that one. As yeah, opposed it's going to the gonna bust two. down the door in it, most it, things. Yeah, yeah. And that's not to yeah. say the other ones aren't extremely, that's true. you know, detectable as well because they are, but Rumfire right. is just that, uh, yeah. that, that uh, special. Yeah. That the, the label, like you mentioned earlier with the flames and like, I don't know, every time I see it on the shelf, I, my, in my head, I always hear like, like the, uh, a gas grill starting. <laughs> That, you know like <laughs> sound and yeah. like rum fire you know like, i don't know why but that's exactly what it does for me it's a it's just so fun it's yeah. a fun rum for and sure. it really is something that is just it, it, it will absolutely knock your socks off uh with with how strong and bold it is and can be used in so many different ways to really spice up other things absolutely um, so it's it's a great pick and and i agree with that in full yeah so what did you have another pick for for this yeah, so on, on yeah. the more expensive side of things, what I'm going to recommend here, it's going to be a distillery bottling, um, and it's going to be one that is about to change very soon. So actually, if you're listening to this in the future, what I'm mm. recommending now, you might not be able to get, but I just want to kind of, I don't want to create like a panic or whatever. People already know <laughs> this is happening. Like Hampton has been transparent that they're changing this, but when Hampton released their like Hampton Estate branded rums, they had two. They had the Hampton Estate uh, 46, which was yeah. the 46% ABV rum. Yeah. Um, I believe when they released it, it was seven years. I think it's now eight years old. But they also released at the same time Hampton Overproof, which was 60% ABV. Mm-hmm. And there's actually been a lot of like conflicting information over the years about like the differences between these rums and like what marks were in each one. And I heard a lot of people, I think I even myself said that like there wasn't any difference between those rums other than the proof. I've actually heard from people that I think would know that that wasn't the case, that 46 was always the OWH mark. Right. While the the overproof was a blend of 80% OWH and then 20% LFCH and DOK. That's the the version of it that I trust the most. And I I don't think it's Hampton trying to hide anything in the confusion over that. I just think it's like, I think a lot of consumers and blogs and stuff kind of did some guesswork um, Mm -hmm. and might not have been completely right. But anyway, the overproof, it's soon changing. Uh, They are changing it from the original makeup to the HLCF mark um it's going to be called uh hlcf classic i think it's still going to be called overproof actually but i think it's going to say hlcf classic on the label um hlcf it stands for hampton light continental flavored so this is kind of like a not to get too far into the marks and stuff but it's a it's a it's kind of the middle range of hampton it's 500 to 600 ester level Mm -hmm. which is 
very high like in terms of just if you're comparing it to all rums in the world but for hampton it's it's middle of the road in terms of like what they're capable of making there and i believe it is going to be four years old um whereas the original one uh, i believe was older than that so now is kind of the last chance to get that original hampton overproof bottling i already went out and bought myself a bottle (laughs) Uh, I'm not trying to like hoard and stock up or anything like that. You know, don't go out and be the person who buys like 20 bottles or whatever. So other people can't get it, but, um, you know, grab one or two for yourself, save the rest for everyone else. Let's not create a panic here, but, um, that's beyond everything I just talked about, like the, the 46 and that original overproof, I, I just, I love them both so much. I think they are, they really thread the needle of being approachable, but also like a little bit more like advanced is the wrong word. But if you gave them to someone who was like their first Complex. run ever, they might be kind of like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. You know, yes. <laughs> um, but like mm-hmm. once you're a little more seasoned, uh, they're like, there's some funk to them, but it's, it's not overwhelming. And I, I've really, got a lot going on, right? Yeah. 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 And yeah. I, I, I just really like the balance in those releases. Yeah. I, I really love both of those rums. Uh, they're, they're ones that I try to have at all times. And uh, yeah, I would say for yeah. now, uh, grab grab you some of the overproof if it's if you're getting to this a little later i would say go the 46 is always great so yeah well, what, what do you think john the, the only thing i want to add to what you said there and i agree with that is that there's the the great house offerings mm, mm-hmm. uh and these have been uh something that was initially only available there in trelawney uh in the hamden estate to be yeah. purchased but have since been released uh in more places and you will see them they're, they're a little more rare so I, i'm gonna tentatively recommend it in the sense of availability but if you happen to be around and you happen to see a bottle of great house it doesn't really matter what year yes there are people who are going to debate which year is better it's an annual release now 2020 2021 and grab it because you you will not be disappointed it is a a fantastic offering and something that uh every rum fan or a person who is really uh enjoying especially jamaican rum you you cannot go wrong there so even at the price of, you know, what it's about $120 or so I've seen it for in that range. Uh, that's, yeah. that's a fantastic rum for that price. Yeah, I think the I think the previous release was like 90, but it's it's gone up like the, it, late, it the latest release yeah. was was over 100, like you were saying. And, um, and rightly so, in my opinion. And I don't say that very often. Well, but it, it's interesting because here's the thing. I. I have not regretted purchasing any great house rums that I've purchased. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I still like the Hampton Overproof better than, than wow. all of them. I really do. Um, uh, I don't know if I can go there with you, but I, that's I, that's I, cool. I respect it. We can yeah. we can disagree. I'm just saying yeah. I, you know, whatever you know they kind of put together for that one, it just hits that sweet spot for me, and it's yeah. it's generally going to be around like a little over seventy dollars. Um, right. So really good price. But I mean, yeah. I'm not going to not recommend Great House. I'm just saying if I can, you know, only recommend one, that's that's the first one I would start with. And yeah, well, at least well, while it's still around, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've, we've got one more kind of, uh, gosh, I don't even know what I'd say, category left here in a way of yeah. uh, rums because it, it's, it's comprised of more than one distillery. Yeah, we're going to do uh, a cu- we're going to hit a couple distilleries here at the end with Clarendon and Long Pond. The, the name that comes up with these, so these are both underneath something called National Rums of Jamaica. Right. It's a little bit complicated to understand, but National Rums of Jamaica is owned in part by three different companies that own equal shares of it. Mm-hmm. So one is the 
National Sugar Company of Jamaica. So it's like state owned. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it used to be all state owned and they kind of divested. I think um, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And then another third of it is interestingly Demerara yeah. Distillers um, yeah. from Guyana, best known for their Eldorado brands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third owner is Maison Ferrand, uh, the owners of Plantation Rum. Um, and they got that as part of their purchase of the West Indies Rum Distillery, which I think owned owned the share and then it transferred basically Mm -hmm. Um, so kind of an odd ownership structure and then it's also further complicated by the fact that uh so within national rums of jamaica as i said you have two distilleries you have clarendon and you have long pond 27 percent of clarendon is owned by diageo (laughs) so um (laughs) it's like what's the math there 73 percent of clarendon is owned by national rums of jamaica which it it itself is owned by three companies and then 27 percent in three owned Mm -hmm. by diageo yeah um, yeah. which we'll talk about why in a second but i guess we can we can start with clarendon and and talking about like why it has that you know part owned by diageo i think the first thing to know about clarendon is they make an absolute ton of rum yeah. Um, because they make, uh, they, they have some of their, their own brands, but they make a lot of rum that goes into two very ubiquitous brands. Uh, yeah. one is Captain Morgan and the other is Myers. Myers was actually the first Jamaican rum I ever had. Um, we'll circle hmm. back to that in a second. So yeah, Captain Morgan, uh, is owned by Diageo. I can't remember if Myers is or not. They might be, but hmm. so that's where that ownership comes in. And I, I believe if you're listening and you're like, I heard Captain Morgan was made in the U.S. Virgin Islands. That's true. I believe the spirit that is made for Captain Morgan, um, from Clarendon, I believe it goes in like the EU version of Captain Morgan, because part of the reason they have the other facility in the Virgin Islands is because of the tax breaks they get for the U.S. market. Right. Um, and actually, before it was in the Virgin Islands, uh, Distilleria Serayes, uh was the one uh, making the uh, rum for Captain Morgan that was sold in the U.S. Boy, the captain um, gets around, doesn't the he? The captain Jeez. does get around. And if you talk to the Serayes folks about uh, Captain Morgan making the switch to the Virgin Islands, uh-huh. they... We're, uh, we're not happy about that. <laughs> kind of a big part of their business kind of had the rug pulled the, uh, out from under them. But wow. uh, thankfully, they've, they've definitely bounced back in a big way since that happened. But anyway, that's not the exciting part of what is made uh, at Clarendon, <laughs> to right. be completely honest. Um, but, it's, yeah. but it's kind of interesting to know. Uh, so Clarendon also supplies rum for uh, a brand that National Runs of Jamaica owns called Money Musk. Uh, which you may have seen before. So obviously Clarendon making rum at this massive scale, they've got some big, huge, you know, multi-column stills there. Uh, They also have pot stills there. A lot of different things going on there. Um, They can make heavy rum. They can make light rum. They do Um, everything. Yeah, they they, they can do it all. And uh, they also... If you've heard of another distillery called Innswood, uh, mm-hmm. that was a former Jamaican distillery. National Rums of Jamaica also owns Innswood, but it's not used as a distillery anymore. They use it uh, as an aging facility now. So yeah, I think the brand to know with Clarendon is Monty Musk, but that's not 100% Clarendon. It is also made up of Long Pond Rum. Uh, so Long Pond is another distillery with a very long history, dates back to 1753. They actually had to stop production in 2012 due to environmental issues with Mm -hmm. dunder disposal um, which is a whole other fascinating side of rum distilling and distilling in general is just like how you manage that side of things right um they began the process of reopening in 2016 
Then in 2018, there was a massive fire that destroyed their 250-year-old heavy rum vat house, um, which is tragic uh, in its own way. But they they started rebuilding that uh, in 2019. They were able to start producing light and medium rums again. And in 2020, they rebuilt the heavy rum vat house uh, and resumed heavy rum production there. I believe for now, it's all pot still. There was an operational column still uh, in use at Long Pond in the past, but I believe it's out of commission right now. And Long Pond is another place where they're going to be using uh, Dunder, Muck, probably a little bit different version of the process that Hampton uses. They probably have their own approach. They also use something here, which may be at use at Hampton as well, but I know specifically they use it at Long Pond because I've heard them talk about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they use something they call cane acid, which is pretty interesting. I I have not heard of this before. I'm going to be honest. So what is cane acid? Cane acid is basically they take crushed cane stalks and put it in with rum wash. And uh, Hmm. another name for it is cane vinegar, but it's another one of these ingredients, you know, you can use that also kind of can go into creating more esters, basically, along with Hmm. things like muck uh, and dunder. And yeah, it's it's actually pretty interesting. And and Matt Petrick has talked about this, but you can go back and look at like sort of um, notes on Jamaican rum recipes from a long time ago, and you'll see you'll see some recipes where it was like only 20% of the rum was like fermented molasses it'll be like 20 percent molasses you know like 40 percent muck uh you know 30 percent cane acid and stuff wow. like that so yeah it, it has an interesting place in kind of jamaican rum history but yeah yeah so again i, I think that's likely just used in some of the higher ester marks that mm-hmm. they make at long pond uh, and they make some just... super high ester <laughs> rums at long yeah. pond um, so if you've I... heard of dok for hampton uh, Long Pond has a mark called TECC, and there's also like TECA, TECB, TECC. That's like their version of of DOK, essentially. Yeah. Super, super, super high ester. With with cane acid, I, I just I, I my brain flashes like back to like who was the first person that was like running the distillery that just was like you know, crushing up cane stalks and throwing them in the rum wash. And yeah. like, people were like, what are you doing? <laughs> and they're like, I don't know. <laughs> Let's just see what happens. You well, know? I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like who was the first person to like eat an egg or something like that. Exactly. Like that must have been a yeah. kind of a you know, weird move to make. But um, I, I think a lot of that goes back to just like rum production's uh, proximity historically to sugarcane, you know, right. just these things being around each other and you know, stuff happening. But yeah, it's it's pretty fascinating. But going into like where you've seen these brands before. Uh, so again, we brought up Captain Morgan uses some rum from Clarendon, I believe just for the EU. Uh, Myers rum comes from Clarendon, super popular Jamaican rum. Like I said, it was the first Jamaican rum I ever purchased. The first time mm. I made a Mai Tai, I saw I needed Jamaican rum. And that's the rum I went with. And uh, believe it or not, that. Uh, it's not a rum I purchased now, but that rum was kind of responsible for me trying rum neat for the first time and wanting to know more about it. So we always have a a special place in my heart. Yeah. Um, Hmm. and then, uh, like we were saying, Monty Musk is the national rums of Jamaica brand, which contains rums from both Clarendon and Long Pond as well. Long Pond itself, uh, just released its first long pond branded product ever um just within the last year year and a half maybe it was long pond itp itp is one of the marks that they make there Mm -hmm. and it was a 15 year old rum you down with itp 
Yeah, yeah you know me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of those distilleries in a nutshell. But in terms of recommendations to wrap everything up here, where, where do you go with this? For me, these are the hardest ones to come up with the recommendations for a person. Yeah. But where do you go I, with this? So I have two. And the first one is actually Monty Musk. You, you mentioned a, yep. a blend of the Clarendon and Long Pond. Mm-hmm. Um, they're classic gold I've recommended before because I think it's at a nice price point. I think it's a good introductory Jamaican mm-hmm. rum, uh, especially for these two distilleries. So you can really try these two distilleries from a, a nice space to, to experience what they're bringing to the table. And, and then there's also the special gold that they have that's right special above that. Special reserve, yeah. Sorry, special reserve. Yeah. Thank you. The special reserve that's right above that that is also very good. A lot of people, when we tried these together in a group, uh, preferred that one to the classic. Uh-huh. Although I, I think I, for some reason, really kind of gravitated towards the classic. I still think the special reserve was pretty fantastic for the price point, especially. Yeah, I haven't and, had and, them next to each other before, but I'd love to compare yeah. sometime. Yeah, the special reserve, uh, you can tell it has a little bit of an additional aging to it. Mm-hmm. But it's still, I think the classic brings something to the table that I just, for me, worked. Again, balance is kind of a theme for me. And mm-hmm. when there's a nice balance for a neat rum, I, I enjoy that very much. Yeah. Um, so th- those are two uh, for me that I-, I think I like. And then just a-, a quick note, I have tried the Plantation Extreme or Extreme, I'm not sure, Clarendon. Uh-huh. That is, uh, I think it was number three, a 27-year aged Clarendon. And I I will tell you this, this was one that was another very expensive bottle that Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't buy again just because of the the cost for it. And you mentioned the diminishing returns. I think that's present. This one to me, I I enjoy it. It gives me this kind of blackberry note that I've never Mm. gotten in any other rum that I I love unique things like that. But at the same time, I also feel like there's so much oak influence in it uh, for the 27 years of, of aging that just kind of overpowers. Yeah, so I, I get kind of a floral thing from a lot of Clarendon rums um, mm. that I don't get as much in other Jamaicans. But and also one note, you mentioned plantation. Another place people might encounter Clarendon and Long Pond rums are in their Zymaka rum, mm-hmm. which again, Maison Ferrand owns a third of National Rums of Jamaica, so it's you know natural that Clarendon and Long Pond would go into their kind of flagship lower cost Jamaican rum. But yeah, I tend to go with Monty Musk as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think either of those, you know, if you're starting out the lower price range, I think the special reserve you can get for like 38 to 50, mm-hmm. um, somewhere in there. I think on the more expensive side for me, you kind of have to go to like independent bottlers basically from there right. uh, because right. there there isn't really like a flagship distillery branded high price Clarendon rum out there mm-hmm. that I'm aware mm-hmm. of. But Holmes Key released a really good Clarendon rum. It's labeled as Holmes Key Jamaica Wetterburn 2011. Um, Again, that's going to be limited in some capacity. Uh, I think you can still get it if you want it. Like I've still seen some bottles around, but really expressive, really solid pick there that I would recommend. All right. So I think that does it for uh, all of the the tour here. We we took uh, our time getting through all those. I will say on the long pond side of things, that's another one that gets tricky um, just because like there aren't, like we were saying, 100% long pond is is tough to find unless you just go the independent bottler route. You will find a lot of like very expensive old long pond bottlings and stuff like that. Uh, I mentioned that fire. I should have pointed out that not all, all not all long pond rum was destroyed there uh, uh, when gotcha. that happened. Yeah. Like there's there's still a lot of long pond casks out there and things like that that you can find. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's not that sort of like always available staple, um, especially on like the lesser expensive side of things. Unless you want to go Monty Musk, which again you're 
it has Long Pond and Clarendon, but you're not just experiencing mm-hmm. Long Pond. I will right. say that ITP release that we mentioned, which is like the only Long Pond branded release, although that that is a sign that more is coming. So I'm sure I'm sure this will change as things go on. I thought that release was very good, but I believe the price point was around 150 bucks. Yeah, um, and I've seen it, it for 199. Yeah, yeah. It, to me, it' not entirely worth the cost there. Again, no. unless you really love the idea of owning like the first ever long pond, right? Branded it's historic, rum, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah. So yeah. if you're yeah. into that, totally go for it. But yeah, I it, I I wouldn't re- really recommend it as just like a go to or like the, you know the first thing to buy or anything like that. But I would say right. you know if you want to experience uh, more expensive long pond, just like look up your favorite independent bottler, see if they've done some long pond, see what see what's available, and and go with that. Yeah. But yeah, I think that wraps it up. So I think this is a format we're going to try out, not like one after the other. We'll probably yeah. uh, we'll probably do a couple more of these over the next few months and mm-hmm. explore some other countries and things like that. But um, yeah, let us know what you think of the format, what we should do next. Um, we always love to hear from our listeners. Uh, you can send us an email at host at rumcast.com. It's H-O-S-T at rumcast.com. Or you can hit us up on social media. John, where can they find us on social media? Yeah, you know we're out there on social media everywhere. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter and YouTube. So you can go to any one of those formats and find us at The Rumcast. And we will uh, tweet or respond and comment back to you there on those platforms as well. Uh, let us know, like Will said, if you're enjoying a Jamaican rum that we uh, missed a brand of, uh, yeah. we would love to know. Yeah, that would be great to, to figure out where it belongs in this list and where we can put it. But we, we do hope that this was something we wanted to try out to get uh, uh, people who are are probably a little bit more just figuring out rum and, and learning more about it. And uh, for those of you who are well more experienced, do let us know. Where, what else do we need to put in here that we, we think will cover all the bases moving forward when we do this for other uh, places or countries? Yeah. So definitely hit us up. Let us know. We always appreciate so much everybody who's listening. Uh, and thank you so much. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the rumcast and you can find us there and support the show there. Uh, our next uh, meetup coming up in, in not too long from now yeah. and another bonus episode as well. And I'm excited about doing that. So. All on the docket for June. Yeah. So That's come right. join the fun. Yep. But uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Appreciate the support as always. And John, I'll talk to you soon. See ya. 